This is Bridging the Gap with Love, Episode 30, The Neagle Family. I'm Heidi Brower, a birth mom. And I'm Jessica Johns, an adoptive mom. And this is a podcast about adoption. As we share our own experiences and the stories of others, we hope to provide support for those in the adoption world and educate others on the joy and grief of adoption. Hello, welcome back, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We are rounding out National Adoption Month with an incredible interview with the Neagle family. Actually, the Neagle family is related to my sister-in-law who is married to my brother, Tyler. So this was kind of a really fun episode to record because I kind of in a roundabout way know about their family, know about um, an aunt that they talked about. I kind I, I grew up in the city that they talked about and where they first got their kids. So it was kind of a fun interview for me to be able to just put my mind and know where these places were that they were talking about and some of the family members that they talked about. So it was really fun. Now, those of you who are looking for Phil's episode part two, don't you worry, that is coming next week and it's going to also be a really good one. We have loved having you with us during National Adoption Month and our work still continues. So please continue to join us uh, weekly for our episodes. Don't forget to like, to follow, and to share our podcast and Instagram page with others because you never know who needs to hear what messages we are sharing. We have a love uh, for adoption and for helping those in this in the adoption world. And so with your help, we can help so many more others. Thank you so much for listening, and please enjoy this interview with the Neagle family. Welcome back, listeners. We are so happy to have you, and we are so excited to have the Neagle family with us this evening. We are going to be interviewing Scott and Grace Nagel and their son, Tony. Welcome to our podcast, you guys. Thanks. Happy to be here. I'm very excited to have you guys on too. I'm really excited to listen to you and to ask these questions and just hear your story. I think it's really important to share. It is. Um, We'd love to start by just hearing a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. That'd be so helpful. Sure. So uh, Scott and Grace Nagel, we are, uh, we live in Olympia, Washington. We have adopted uh, three fantastic children. Um, those kids are um, all half siblings and uh, our story kind of uh, is a little bit unique because we um, were relatively young when we adopted our, our kids and we went from no kids to three kids in a week. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it, it makes for a kind of a different dynamic in our family and in our home. Um, our oldest was seven. Um, when, when he came into our home, um, our daughter, our oldest son, um, our daughter was five when she came in. And then Tony, who's with us here right now, um, was two. Um, so, and they had, they came through the foster system, um, and had been in the foster system for about a year prior to that. Um, so, uh, our olders, you know, are 20 and 18 right now and so off working, but Tony's uh, home, so he's here with us. So, yeah, that's that's uh, like the gist of our adoption story. As, as individuals, uh, I work for the state. I'm a state drone. I'm also an author. Um, and then Scott does real estate, and we own an adult family home, which is like a small assisted living facility that's allowed to have six people. So, um that takes up a lot of a lot of Scott's time, especially caring for 
uh, caring for senior people who need help. And Tony does, Tony, Tony can talk about himself, what he's passionate yeah. about. Tony can talk about himself. Uh, to, to, uh, Tony, I'm Tony. Uh, uh, I mean, a lot of my life right now just surrounds around sports. Um, that's a big part, I guess. What sports yeah. do you play? Uh, right now, I just play lacrosse. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing those uh, about your sh- for sharing about yourself with us. I can already tell just from your just beginning introductions and knowing that you run a senior home. I just can already feel like you guys just have big the biggest hearts. So I'm really excited to get to know you more throughout this uh, this interview. How long had you guys been married before you decided to adopt? A year and a half. Yeah, it was about a year and a half. We, so we were married outside the temple and then we got sealed a year later. And when we were, when we were in the temple, like Scott had always had the idea of adoption previously. Um, That was something that we like, just even from dating, um, he, he had always talked to me about. And so adoption was kind of always in our mind. Um, but about a year and a half after um, we got married, we decided to, well, about a year at the temple, we said, okay, let's, let's start a family. And it, at, at about six months, we figured out that I couldn't have kids. And um, when we were at the temple, the, the temple sealer, who didn't know us from Adam, um, when he was doing the counseling, he said, now that you're sealed, now is time to start a family. Like, get to it. Don't wait anymore. If you can't, if you can't have it on your own, then adopt. And we're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, And so we, we expedited the process. Like even the doctor, when I went in to get checked out, she's like, usually we wait about a year before we start doing anything like checking, checking things out. And I said, nope, we're, we're speeding this up. And so at about a year and a half is when when we uh, said, well, I guess we can start working for adoption. Sound about right, Scott? Yep. So S- Scott, I'm interested. Have you, <clears throat> so she said that you always kind of knew that you wanted to adopt. What, where did that come from? Uh, so uh, kind of a variety of locations. Um, my father was adopted. Um, so it was something that we were aware of growing up as a, a way to create a family. Um, he, my grandma was unable to have kids adopted my dad and then found out she was pregnant like six weeks later um kind of that standard <laughs> story um so yeah so that was a um, that was there and then uh, through a variety of situations in my life I uh, I was interjected into other homes um, outside of my nuclear family and really came to understand that um, there is a there are multiple ways to create a family. There's multiple ways to care for um, our brothers and sisters on this earth. And um, that, uh, that a biological nuclear family was not the only kind of way out there. And I've always, I was always amenable to it because I have an adopted brother also. So adoption has always been part of, part of my life as well. That can be so helpful. Uh, to have some type of frame of reference for adoption, especially as you're preparing to adopt. Um, but tell us how specifically did you decide to adopt through the foster care system? I mean, look at this handsome young boy you have here. I mean, you guys are pretty lucky. So how did you get to him? 
honestly, there's a little bit of throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, at that point, um, we, we were, we were relatively young. We did not have endless financial resources and through all of our different kind of research and stuff, we, it's just kind of what felt right. Um, I certainly was, uh, difficult to look at some of the foreign adoptions and, and contemplate, you know, flying to China with a briefcase of $50,000, which we have a friend who that's how they did, you know, and, uh, or living in Russia for six weeks or no, it was like six months, I think for, yeah, it was a long time. I don't know if it was Russia or somewhere Eastern European, but, you know, living for months over there um, to, to do that. And really when, when we took a look at it, it was, uh, we, we were guided there, you know, like it just, nothing, nothing felt right. Um, And, and honestly, our initial desire with getting licensed was to do respite care just kind of we were going to dip our dip our toes in the pool and and take care of kids for a day or two or a week or two you know no big deal and just kind of get used to parenting together and that was our initial concept which didn't work don't you love that sometimes our plans are not his plans and we just kind of have to decide now they might be his we're on board we'll do it yep so tell us, how did yeah. that come to be? Um, so we, we got licensed as foster parents. And the, within a week, they said, hey, we've got this seven-year-old boy who oh. is his foster mom. Hold on. I, I'm going to pause there. We took months and months and months of trying to get licensed as foster parents, jumping through hoops. We were renting. So we had to do like get all this permission from our landlords to you know, make the adjustments to the home that the state required. Um, so ton of time and energy to get licensed as foster parents and we were licensed for two children and we didn't want infants um so we licensed for five and above um and so we were licensed for a maximum of two kids over the age of five and that that'll be a point a part, important here in a moment so we got the license <laughs> um and within a week uh they called us and said there's a seven-year-old boy who his foster mom is going out of the country and so he needs respite care. Would you be willing to take care of him for a couple of weeks while his foster mom's out of the country? And we said, sure. Like one seven-year-old boy, that fits, that fits our mold, what we wanted. And so in comes our, our oldest son, Randy. And uh, we have him for a couple of days. And then the social worker calls and says, oh, by the way, he also has two other siblings, a, a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, who foster dad thought that he would be able to take care of these two, but he can't. Um, so will you take them also? And we're like, three kids, that's bonkers. Like zero to three, but it's just for a couple of weeks and we can do anything for a couple of weeks, anything. And we're not so, licensed yeah. for the two-year-old. Oh yeah, we're not licensed for the two-year-old. But, and so they're like, oh, it's okay. We'll just switch your license real quick. We'll just add, add two-year-old to the license. And we're like, but there are certain requirements that need like, like plugs. And I don't know, there were certain requirements. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll just switch your license. And that's all I took. <laughs> so we, so we, we took these three kids um, for a couple of weeks. And then the foster mom came back and they said, well, we will take the younger two back but we won't take Randy back. And the social workers were like, you know, sob. like that's really, that is really a really sad situation. They're like, we can't, we can't 
separate them. I mean, we can, but we don't want to separate them. Um, and it's, it's pretty rare to find a home that can take three kids, um, that home that's big enough to be able to take three kids. Um, but isn't it, isn't, isn't this just so sad? And they laid it on super duper thick. And yes, we started out just as respite, but once we got, you know, once we got the hang out of it, hang of it, we, we were going to foster to adopt. And that was always our plan. Once we figured it out, we would foster to adopt. We didn't want to be like foster parents, you know, having kids in and out and not having any security and who knows how long you keep them. And we just didn't want that secure, that insecurity. We were creating our family this way. And we said, uh, well, we don't want to take any, any children who aren't legally free because we are creating our family this way. And they said, oh, well, it's okay because foster, or biological mom, she has been doing terrible with her visits and she, within the next month, her biological rights will be terminated. So within a month, like you'll be able to adopt them. And we're like, oh, well, that's okay. I, 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 we prayed about it, clearly. I said, well, I guess this is our family. And so we, we took them out to Pizza Hut and said, welcome to our family. And then uh, it turns out that the social worker full on lied to us. And mom had been doing really great with her visitations. They hadn't even started the paperwork to do termination of her rights. Uh, like They were like, oh, no, we said within the month we would start the paperwork. No, that's not what was said at all. Um, but they full on lied to us. But my heart, my heart goes out to them. Like we were, we're a decent family. And in order to get some kids into a decent family, I might, I might do a little bit of lying too. Like I understand, and it clearly all worked out. Um, but there was, there was some, there was some struggle there between us and the social worker when we discovered really what the status was. So after you were told that they were going to start that paperwork within that month, how long did it take after that for the adoption to be finalized? And what was that process like? That was a year and a half, two years. It was quite a while. Um, so there, there's a lot of kind of different pieces of drama in that time that we don't necessarily need to delve into, but basically um, the, the foster care system and, and I, this is something that for me is part of the reason why I kind of was interested in sharing on this avenue because um, the, the foster care system is very difficult to work through, at least in our, in our experience, um, and it can break your heart very easily. But, and there, there's a little bit of manipulation on their end. And kind of like Grace said, like, you can understand when, if you're trying to do the best for the kids and get them into a good situation, it can be easy to feel that the, the means or the ends justify the means. But uh, yeah, so, so there is some, uh, some less than ideal dealings with the state from an adult perspective, you know, between us and them. Um, and basically what ended up happening is I, I had turned down a, a number of job offers and, and uh, movement offers to stay in Ellensburg to bring my family together. And it was uh, kind of, it was told to me that if I didn't accept this next offer, I wouldn't be getting any more. And so I was offered a store in, in Juneau, Alaska to, to go take over and run. And I was pretty clear that that was my last chance. And at this point, 
the state was was pushing very hard for reunification. Um, and we I just we had to put a line in the sand. We we loved the kids. We felt like a family. And uh, I think it'd been probably about a year at this point. Right. So I had to put a line in the sand and say, listen, if we're not able to adopt them by X date, they they need to go back to mom or they need to go. That something has to change. And, and for them too, like this, you know, years, you know, they had already been in the system a year before us, like years of this flux is not good for them. Um, so anyways, uh, that was very difficult to do. And um, the, the social worker and the guardian ad litem um, looked at us like we were evil people who did not care about the kids and were heartless. And um, it, it was very tough for us to stick to our guns on that line in the sand that we had drawn, but it was needed to push to the next level of the system. Um, and so basically because, because of that line we drew, um, a number of things changed, which uh, in the end created uh, a, a termination of parental rights order. During that time, because of the, the, the legal time that had to elapse between certain pieces of the of the paperwork, um, I had to move up to Alaska. Grace stayed home with the kids in Ellensburg. And then I had to become a foster parent in Alaska and redo the system up there. Then Grace had to move up to Alaska and become a foster parent before the kids could come up. Um, so the kids actually stayed with uh, Grace's sister, who was Chris already licensed or did she become licensed for the kids? She was already licensed and she already okay. has 50 in the home. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, so even with all of these attempts to, to minimize transitions for the kids, they still had to go live with someone else for six months while we established residency in Alaska to be able to process the ICPC, the inter, uh, interstate compact for the placement of children. And so then the kids came up to Alaska and that was in December and that next November we adopted them, uh, the, the legal adoption. But I mean, it, it was a long drawn out process with a lot of very difficult conversations between adults who had the best interest of the kids in mind. All of us did um, just with different ways of getting there. And, and so that's kind of like a big thing for me when someone's going through the foster process um, for, or through the foster care system is knowing that it's okay to guard your heart a little bit and, and fight for your kids, but recognize that the state has the ultimate say, unfortunately, and um, you, you, you never know what's going to happen. But when it works out, it's definitely worth it because I can tell you, I, these are my children. I have no doubt in my mind that these are the kids who there's, there's no difference between blood, you know, or adoption for me. These are, these are my kids. I just want to take a moment and just like applaud you guys. That was such a process. So many obstacles. I can't even, that's unusual. I mean, maybe this, maybe it's not unusual when it comes to foster care and, and dealing with this state. Um, it's hard to sell people on this process of being willing to go through the amount of like hoops and, and overcome the amount of obstacles that you've gone through. I mean, what would you, what would you tell someone who's considering trying to adopt through the foster care system? Like knowing what, you know, what would you mm -hmm. say? 
um, for me, what I what I always think about when as a mom, like all moms have mommy shame and mommy like, oh, I'm not a good mom and I'm not doing it right. And my kids are, aren't making the choices that I would want them to make. And you know, all the all that doubt that you have as a mother, I look at them and I say, but their lives are so much better now than they could have been. Um, just the impact that that you can make on these kids who have been placed in situations that it is not their fault. And we've opened up doors for them and we've given them opportunities that they never would have had. Um, like, I remember, I remember when we took the kids in for the first time or when we thought we were just gonna have them for, for a couple weeks and they came to church with us for the first time and they went to primary to, to singing time and they came home singing songs about Jesus who they, they had never sung any songs about Jesus before. And I remember saying to myself, well, even if it's just three weeks, like they're going to have that feeling. They'll remember, they'll remember even just a little bit about, about this. And that we'll have even just a little bit of an impact on them, even if it's just for two or three weeks. Um, but the impact that we have on these kids who are so help, helpless and so abused and it's not their fault. And we have the capability and the capacity to help them out. Um, and it's, yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I. Thank you, Grace. That's perfect. Scott, would you add anything? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely kind of depends on, on, on what your, what your why is, why are you investigating this? Um, I, I know so many people, um, go through the foster system for family members, you know, as some sort of an extended family member who um, is, is having a hard time. And, and that definitely can look a little bit different than um, a situation like ours where the, the kids are taken away for, um, uh, for safety reasons. Um, and it's, there, certainly there, there's that feeling at the beginning where you're like, hey, we're, I'm just providing them something better at the moment, but um, I, I don't necessarily know when the switch was. I think I think I latched on pretty quickly as my kids, um, but uh, there's, I, let me back up. Someone has once, I, I, I have had people say that they could never adopt because they couldn't love someone else's kids the way they love their own, and I think that's malarkey. I, I think your heart is perfectly capable of loving um, anyone on this earth um, in, in a proper way. Um, and if your goal is to increase your love and to increase uh, the joy that you have in your life, it's worth the the fight and the struggle and the hurdles and the challenges that um, going through the foster care system can bring. Thank you. That was beautiful. So I would actually love to hear from each of you and Tony, you can be an included in this one is how you guys have grown together as a family over, you said 11 years, Grace, is that correct? Or 13 years, I guess it's been official 11, 13 since you've had yeah. the kids, correct? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, Scott, Scott says that it's malarkey, <laughs> but it's definitely a fear for me. It's definitely a fear for me. And part of me, 
part of me um, says that that's why Heavenly Father said, no kids for you, Grace. Uh, like no biological kids for you because this is your family. And, and that, that second guessing, like there's, there's no allowance for that for me. Like these are my kids. And I, my personality is not very nurturing and not very warm and fuzzy and cozy. Um, in Scott's in my relationship, I like in those traditional, like stereotypical, he's the nurturer and I'm, I'm the black and white, like that, that's just how our personalities are. So <laughs> he's the more tactful. <laughs> um, and so for me to grow into, into loving the kids and I, it's always, it's always been a fear of mine to say, do I love my kids enough? Do I love them the way that I'm supposed to love them and the way that they should be loved? Am, do I love them enough? And for me, it's been fantastic to grow. I remember the first time that I said, oh, these are my kids, um, was when somebody was doing something to hurt one of them and the mama bear came out in me. I was like, huh, uh, you don't get to do this to my kid. I was like, oh, that's a mommy thing. That's, <laughs> I am a mom. <laughs> um, and from that moment, I was like, okay, these are my kids. Like, this is the way that I love. I may not love the way that I see other people love, but this is the way that I love. And this is the way that I love my kids. And they may not get the best hugs from me. They may get better cuddles from dad and he may be more communicative, but I love them the way that, that I do. And, um, and I know because I know that Heavenly Father put these kids in our home. I know that I love them the way that Heavenly Father wants me to love them and that my role in their life is the role that Heavenly Father needs them to have in their lives. I love that. I think it's perfect. You're, you hit it right on the head. You know, I, I don't, not sure how to answer the question any different than, um, than a traditional biological family would answer it. You know, every we, we grow as the kids go through different stages in life, as we go through different stages in life, that we, we, we grow organically as that happens. I, I know that, that the transition from an adoptive parent to a parent has been real within me. Um, towards the beginning there as we're figuring out what we're doing. And, and again, we started with no kids. So we didn't have time of holding our, our infant child while we're figuring out, oh, well, here's how we're going to do this, that, or the other. Um, it was, oh, we've got a seven, a five, and a two-year-old, and we have to balance all of this at once. Uh, we, we lived on a farm, a rural area of, of Ellensburg, and uh, we said, I'm, I'm a list person, and so I made chore charts or chore lists for the kids because you, you've got to get some work done on the farm. And they were all two and a half, three pages long of chores, uh, even for the two-year-old. And uh, obviously that didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it took us a little while to be like, oh, wait a minute, our expectations are wrong. Like, this isn't how it should go. And um, so over the years, we've, we've maintained a chore list or a chore chart, but it has gone from three pages long to, uh, you know, you've got kitchen, you've got bathroom, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've grown in that area. I, I know that uh, in our relationship for Grace and I, 
I, I have always felt that we have, that we're a little bit more selfish than a lot of parents, um, simply because we did go from zero to 60. And so we, we had, we, we needed our breaks. We needed our time. And I don't necessarily, I know selfish is a bad word, um, but I've come to realize that it's been, that it, that it has been good for us. And um, it's been good on good for our kids to know that there's boundaries and there's lines. And then as we're kind of in this, this new stage where, you know, we've got our, our oldest has moved out. Our daughter's graduated from high school and college and is getting ready to move out soon. And, you know, we've got a, a sophomore who's uh, on good trajectory, good trajectory to be able to take care of himself. I still feel we're growing together as a family as we separate. I had a pretty tender moment. Uh, our oldest is, is now working for us at our adult family home. He's a caregiver here. Um, and he was uh, joking around with the residents in almost the exact way that I do. Um, and just sitting just knowing like that's my, those pieces of my humor have passed on to him um, and, and seeing that. And, and it wasn't anything that he'd seen me do with the residents before. He was, a, he was a very new caregiver at the time. It was just his natural way of interacting. I was just like, oh, that's my son. And, uh, you know, like we, yeah, I definitely feel that we have grown that in all these different stages, we just continue to grow together. And that growth comes because of Scott. Uh, because he he is the nurturer in the family and he pulls us together and he has the organization and the planning and he's got the all that growth happens because of scott because because this is his family and he's making a family and he's very intentional and thoughtful about it like my my upbringing i'm the youngest of 10 kids and by the time i came around my parents were tired <laughs> and i just kind of raised myself or my older sisters raised me and it was just kind of throw me to the wolves and figure it out. Uh, and I just thought that's how parents did it. I didn't understand intentional parenting like Scott does. And uh, yeah, he's he's a really fantastic parent and and leader in our home. What a compliment. Wow. Well, and I'm just thinking what a great partnership you both are to to have both sides and just how that works so well together. So Tony, tell, maybe tell us, share with us maybe a favorite memory and then what it has been like for you to grow up in this family. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot of good memories with my family. Uh, I mean, a lot of them would just be like normal memories that you'd have with, like, I mean, like a family that you were born into pretty much. And I, I, I mean, I was close to being born in this family. I wasn't very, very old, but um, yeah, I don't know, like, I, I like traveling with my family a lot. That's, those are always good memories. Um, but yeah, uh, adding on to what my dad said when he's talking, um, he was uh, talking about my brother and the way he's acting with the people that was working at the Ardell family home. And uh, I think that applies very well to our family and other families that have been adopted into families that you know you are born into because... I mean, just because we might look different. I mean, I'm, my, I mean, you know, Randy's black, my Cam and Katie's Mexican. You know, we're all different colors or races or whatever. But the the way we're raised and the way we act and uh, I mean, the jokes we make and everything they're they're all similar. And uh, it's yeah, I don't know. 
where I was going with that, but yeah. Uh, Scott is the most annoying man in the world. He's fantastic, but he just loves being annoying. And Tony has picked that up. <laughs> He's so good at being annoying, but in the funniest way. Uh, he used to be annoying and like, oh, stop. But he's he's growing into that sense of into Scott's sense of humor of being annoying but funny, uh, just trying to make people laugh. Yeah. I really appreciated what you said, both Scott and Tony, about you know adoption. Although to others, it seems like, oh, this would be a very different way to create a family, or maybe my memories or experiences would be different. I forget 99% of the time that my kids are adopted. Like they're just, they're just my kids. This is just my family. And like you said, the ways we grow together and the experiences that we have are just like any other. And it's only times like this, where we get an opportunity to really think back on our stories and take moments to reflect and where we've come from and appreciate all of that, you know, our adoption stories are that journey, um, that we kind of realize, oh, wow, I guess not everybody has this exact same experience, but you know, the way we grow relationships, the way we grow together in families, whether it's biological adopted or otherwise is really a familiar, um, and similar process for everyone. So I appreciate you guys both mentioning that, that, that rings true for me too. Uh, you know, something that uh, we kind of take as normal, but I think is a little different than, uh, than the traditional biological family is the impact of the biological parents and biological family. Um, in, in our situation where we had seven, five, and two when they came into our home um, and continued visitations with biological family uh, during that period, we have made significant changes to our parenting quote-unquote plan because of the choices of bio mom and bio dads um, and, and that and, and the, the impacts of those decisions have trickled down and uh, it's it is something that we have to keep in mind like there are there are some things as from a parenting standpoint that we didn't want to do, but we had to, you know, things, places where we had to be more strict than we ever wanted to be, places where we had to be far more lenient than we ever wanted to be. Um, and certainly, uh, I think because of the amount of time that each child spent in less than ideal situations before um, having kind of the, the safety of Maslow's hierarchy of needs being met, each child had to be parented extremely differently. Um, and that, that has been uh, a tough uh, sell as, as it is for any kid when you've got you know, one sibling that gets something different because of a, a, a parenting style need. I, all three of our kids have been parented extremely differently. And we've had to be very open about it. Like, sorry, it is going to look different for A than it does for C. And so I think that that is something that is a little bit different and something to be aware of. Um, if you already have, if you are looking at adopting through the foster system um, and you already have kids, recognize that, that that biological family will forever impact your kids and the way that you parent and the way that, and what goes on in your home. And that's not a bad thing. Um, it's just a thing to be aware of. 
Uh, we have been very blessed in our situation to have continual contact with the kid's biological grandmother um, and a biological aunt and cousin. Um, and uh, it's it's wonderful from, from the beginning. Um, bio grandma was, I don't know, would you say in love with us, mom? That she, <laughs> she, she loved us very quickly. Um, very supportive of us. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and it's been a, it's been a great relationship and, and she is very understanding and, and, uh, supportive of the space between our families. She recognizes that, you know, while we have adopted her blood, um, we are not necessarily blood family. She gives us lots of space, but she also is a wonderful grandma to the kids and, and aunt Lori and cousin Angelo are fantastic, um, extended family and a great connection to that piece because I do think that every adoptive child thinks about their biological blood. Um, I, I know that through my dad's side, I think about it when I'm working on family history, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm being like, wow, this whole half of my family tree isn't blood. And, you know, what does that mean? How does that apply? So, um, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but it's... And I think, I think it's been really important for the kids to have that continuity. Like these are people that they've known for their entire lives. Um, just because they came into our family doesn't mean that their past life didn't happen. Doesn't mean that the important people to them aren't important in the, anymore. Like it's so, their relationship with their grandma and their aunt and their cousin is so important to them. Um, it's, it's that lifelong connection that they've always had. And I know as we were transitioning, um, we tried to keep that connection as much as possible. And I think that it's kind of like a little security blanket, like in foster care, they bounce around from home to home and they have new stuff all the time. This is one way that they don't, they don't have to have a completely new family. They always will have grandma Lane and auntie Lori and cousin Angelo. Thank you for sharing that. Our listeners can't see your guys' faces, but I saw Tony's face light up when when you spoke about his grandma and his aunt and his cousin. So I can attest that I think that those relationships are probably pretty important to you, Tony. Am I correct? Yeah, very, very important. Yeah, I love that. All right. So Tony, we would love to hear a little bit more from you. Just tell us, how do you feel about your adoption? Um, I mean, it's great. Like I know uh, I could have been in a completely different uh, situation or circumstance um, that I am in right now. I know uh, for a fact that uh, I've been given a great opportunity to be this family. Um, and the, the gospel, to be honest, has been a huge part of our life and the way I was raised. Um, so, I mean, if I wasn't adopted into this family, who knows if I would have had that opportunity to grow up with the gospel especially and uh i mean my parents are great too I mean, they're pretty cool <laughs> yeah. yeah we can't forget about them they're really yeah. cool too right <laughs> yes. yeah they're pretty cool <laughs> awesome i love that what what would you want others to know about your adoption adoption comes in many many different ways uh i mean for me it was pretty pretty smooth uh and from what i remember i know there's been some memories where it's like maybe not so great, but uh, overall it's been, it's been a pretty good journey. Um, but in general, 
there's going to be tons of different situations that you can you can try to um, you know prepare for, but you're never really going to uh, get it to exactly the point you want to. So you're going to have to be ready for uh, anything that's thrown at you. Um, but just, I mean, it's worth it no matter what. So I think that's it's a pretty big thing that I'd want people to know when your parents are trying to adopt you. And this is going to go for like the kids or whatever. Um, but yeah, if you, I mean, your parents are trying to adopt you or adopting you, I mean, you, you have something huge to be grateful for. Um, cause I mean, without them, you know, where you would have been. So, yeah. Thanks, Tony. That's awesome. Okay. So let's say there are parents out there that are in the process of trying to adopt a child or children through the foster care system. Anything you would want to say to them? Um, yeah, uh, we can be a bit of a handful, <laughs> um, <laughs> as being honest, uh, we, we, um, have a lot of different, like things that we have to deal with, uh, and same goes for, uh, biological. You, I mean, I know for myself and my siblings, we, we deal with uh, stress or different things in many ways. For me, for me, I hold on to my humor. That's a big thing. I make jokes of everything. Maybe not in uh, appropriate situations. I take a little too far, but um, but no, that's how I that's how I deal with uh, some of the stuff that's going on in my life. And I mean, it's the same for everyone. They deal with their uh, situations in their own way. So I mean. Yeah, got to be ready for that. What was the question? I'm sorry. I totally forgot. <laughs> Just any words of advice or encouragement. You're doing great, by the way, oh, that you'd have to parents like yours who are going through the process of adopting. I mean, you got this, guys. You can do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's worth it. Uh, and it definitely, it'll make your life better, hopefully. And uh, it definitely makes the kids' life better. Um, so, yeah, there's so many reasons why you would and why it's a, it's a great option. So, yeah. yeah, thank you. That is perfect advice. Is there anything you would want to say to your mom and dad? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I try to say it a decent amount, but, you know, I... <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be here without you guys. I mean, you guys are a huge part of my life. I mean, it's, I really appreciate what all you guys have done for me. I love you guys so much. But <laughs> yeah, uh, the opportunity that I've been given by my, my parents to uh, connect with uh, my, some of my biological family has been a blessing. Because like my dad was saying, uh, you you just have this want to, to know who you're blood related to. And my grandma, my uncle and my aunt are amazing people to me. So that was, it's always like a, a nice relief just to have someone that's blood related, even though it's not like, a, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty nice. So thank you guys. Thanks so much, Tony. Um, I loved hearing your answers. I think that it's important to hear your voice. It's important to hear everybody's voice in these stories. And I know that they are going to 
help others who listen to this. So thanks so much. I just, um, I'm sorry. My heart's really full right now. So thank you for this. Thank you for this opportunity. I got a little emotional when you guys were talking about the process and it taking forever and just the end goal. Cause I don't know how much Tyler has told you, but our brother Brent and his wife, Michaela are in the middle of this and it's really, really hard. And we, that little Reese is our, is my niece. And I cannot wait for the day that she's officially ours because she's ours in every sense of the word. But right now we're just waiting on the state and it's so hard. And so it takes a lot of strength and courage to just hold on. And that's where we all are. And I'm, I'm not even in their shoes specifically, but I love that little girl. Like she's ours. So thank you for sharing your hearts with us and your story. And I didn't know if there's anything else that you wanted to end with before you had to leave any like last things you wanted to say. Yeah, it's been excellent. This has been so helpful. These are very different from our own stories. And so it's been so important for us to really highlight and share um, stories that are different than ours. And there are people that really need to hear this adoptive couples, potential adoptive couples that really need to hear this message. So we are just so grateful that you guys have just been willing to tell us the good, the bad, the hard and everything in between, because that's, it's the truth of it. The thing that's been popping into my head as I've been thinking about this, um, and you said the good, the bad, the hard, uh, creating a family through foster care is difficult. Um, but creating a family through any way is difficult. Um, and it's just a different kind of difficult and the problems that we have (laughs) with our kids, we would have, maybe not the same. We, we, there's probably, it's, it's just a family. It's just a family, um, created a little bit differently, but if it's not one way, it's, it's the other way. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just a family. I don't know. I agree. Um, uh, like I kind of said earlier, I, I learned younger that it didn't really matter that, that, that there was more than just blood in, in family. Um, and I feel that society gives some real mixed messages on that. Um, you know, the, the, the media that is portrayed to kids, um, from the, the, the evil adoptive parent to the fantastic adoptive parent to the evil bio to the fantastic bio, like it, it's just very unclear, um, from that standpoint and, and the, uh, the bad cases tend to be sensationalized, um, but yeah, every family has the struggles and every family can be difficult. Um, and, you know, Tony talks about joking, like, uh, um, what is it that you and Katie say all the time that you about bidding for you guys or whatever, like, Oh yeah. You guys are the highest bidders. Yeah. Really. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we keep a pretty open, uh, humor about that, but you know, there, there's something to that. Like, uh, like, look kids we chose you like we didn't even have to keep you we had multiple opportunities to boot you back to the state and walk away and peace out and we didn't because we don't want to because we love you because you're ours um and that ownership of ours 
that we have of our kids does not negate or, or belittle the, the biological family in any way, shape, or form. It does not negate or belittle if we were to have biological children of our own. Um, ours is ours, and, and, and that term, ours, does not, is not uh, limited to the nucleus of the five of us. It's the ours extends. I mean, that's why we do family history is to feel that bigger hug in our larger family. Um, and as we do family history and we look at generations back, we know that we are all connected with each other. Um, and I think that often we forget that. Yeah, so true. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. This has been amazing. I, I just know that it's going to to help somebody. So thank you so much again for being willing to share your story with us. Thanks. Do you or someone you know have a story about adoption? Please email us at bridgingthegapwithlove22 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story. If you would like to know more about adopting through the foster care system, you can reach out to us and we can get you in contact with our friend Marcy Bursack. She is the founder of the Forgotten Adoption Option. You can also look her up on Instagram under the forgotten adoption option.